All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I'm joined by Pro Football Focus's Ben Lindsay to break down the 2021 quarterback annual from PFF and discuss what the data says about Matt Ryan's present as well as his future in Atlanta. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In today's episode, we are joined by our special guest, our preeminent guest, Ben Lindsay of Pro Football Focus, to break down the QB annual that – Pro Football Focus with a massive data dump for the quarterbacks of the NFL in the 2020 season. And that will lead us into a conversation about Matt Ryan, what Arthur Smith did for Ryan Tannehill and what he could potentially do for Ryan here in Atlanta. Some of the strengths and weaknesses of Matt Ryan and sort of how those apply to not only his present, but his future. And we'll get into a conversation later about whether that data is sort of signaling which direction the Falcons should go in. In the draft, spoiler alert, possibly addressing their offensive line. And later on in the episode, I'll sort of give you my additional thoughts on that possibility going back to something we discussed on yesterday's episode in our Mock Draft Monday episode about taking someone like a Penny Sewell at the top of the draft. So without further ado, let's get into that conversation I had today with Ben Lindsay of PFF. All right, guys, it's Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, and today I am joined by Ben Lindsay of Pro Football Focus to talk about the recent dropping of the 2021 quarterback annual by PFF, and we'll get into an in-depth discussion of what Matt Ryan is currently in his career and what Matt Ryan could continue to be as the rest of his career progresses under new head coach Arthur Smith. Ben, welcome to Locked On Falcons. Happy to be here. It's good. It's good. Always good to talk about some quarterbacks. Yes, this is the time of the calendar year where it's all quarterback, uh, crazy quarterback frenzy, where everybody's looking to uh, upgrade their quarterback or sometimes downgrade their quarterback. Uh, and this year seems to be even more hectic than usual with some of the big name players that are potentially or not potentially on the market. Yeah, for sure. Especially this year, there's just so many teams. With uncertainty, even teams like the Falcons, who they have a guy, uh, they're still talking about them drafting a quarterback. It just seems like there's going to be a lot of a lot of shuffling around, musical chairs uh, situation coming up here before the season. So before we get into sort of the specifics towards the Falcons, you know, explain to the listeners what the quarterback annual is and what sort of information that you can find in it. Yeah, the quarterback annual, uh, it's, it's got a lot of information. It's the 370 pages, uh, in-depth looks at each of the starting quarterbacks, league-wide looks at some of our different stats. Uh, you got the grades, our accuracy charting, play under pressure, play from a clean pocket. Uh, basically, if you want to nerd out uh, about quarterbacks, uh, this, is, this is the way to do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how can people get access? How can people purchase it? Uh, it's on pff.com right now, uh, an edge or an elite subscription, and you have access to it. So, so either one of those. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about Matt Ryan. 
And, you know, one of the things that stood out initially reading it in the first few pages is sort of Matt Ryan being an upper left quadrant quarterback. And uh, that's sort of describing where he charts in terms of big time throws versus turnover worthy plays. And for those people uh, that need a little bit more context in that regard, the way sort of pro football focus sort of graphs guys on a X and Y axis and the higher up is basically the guys that tend to make safer throws, less turnover worthy plays. The the further on the right on the, along the X axis means that they make more big time throws. So, you know, the upper left quadrant maybe could be described as more of the safer quarterbacks. The guys that tend to be a little bit more game managers, the upper right tend to be sort of the best quarterbacks that can make the big time throws, but not necessarily make the bad plays as well. The lower right are the volatile quarterbacks, the the guys that tend to be a little bit more boom or bust because they can make the big-time throws, but they also make a lot of mistakes. And the lower left, I guess, is not the ideal place to be because you're not making big-time throws. You're not really making safe throws either, so you're just kind of there. Um, So I, I guess when it comes to Matt Ryan, has he sort of consistently been more of that upper left quadrant type of quarterback. And do you think at least the data, does it suggest that quarterbacks can kind of change their quadrants throughout their career? Or is that something that maybe is occurs more frequently with younger quarterbacks? And once you guys, once guys get to, you know, Matt Ryan's level of experience, do they kind of settle into what they are? To answer the first question, Ryan's sort of been in that area. uh, A lot of the time, obviously his better years, you see him more in that upper right area. Um, years like 2017 where he's hitting a lot of big time throws it's it's something that relates both to the quarterback obviously a guy like Jameis Winston he's always going to be in that volatile category it just just slinging around Um, but it also relates to scheme if you're not if your scheme doesn't allow uh, for many deep shots looking at schemes like San Francisco's um, you're going to tend to be in the safer category more often than not, whereas if you have an offense that's consistently throwing 10-plus yards downfield, there's just going to be some more added volatility in there um, because it's a wider range of outcomes when you start taking those deep shots. You know, one of the things I noticed with Ryan Tannehill looking at the last three uh, quarterback annuals is, you know, two years ago in his last year in Miami, he was a lower left quarterback, uh, really towards the bottom there. Um, And then you had in 2019 in his first year under Arthur Smith, him sort of morph into this upper right quadrant quarterback. And then this past year kind of regressed to the mean, if if that's a fair way of describing it back to the lower left. But despite that fact, he was still very productive in 2020. Is that more a byproduct of the scheme? And is that a reflection of sort of what Arthur Smith is doing with Tannehill in his offense this past year? Yeah, I think it is. Um, Arthur Smith's offense, it's a lot of those sort of middle of the field uh, intermediate throws where you're not you're not going to see as many of those be graded as big-time throws for us um, as opposed to if you're attacking outside, uh, deep downfield. Those are usually where you see more of those. The thing that Tannehill did really well and why he still graded well this year uh, despite being in that bottom left was that he had a lot of plus 0.5s for us. Uh, so our grading scale is negative 2 to positive 2 in 0.5 increments. Those plus 0.5 throws are accurate throws, um, sort of putting receivers in a position to get first downs, putting the ball on target past the first down marker. Not quite big-time throws, but still important throws to make. And that's where Tannehill did a good job this past year. Um, and I think that's that's largely due to Arthur Smith's scheme. 
which I do think is quarterback friendly. So we're going to get a little bit more into what Arthur Smith may or may not be able to do for Matt Ryan uh, as we continue today's Locked on Falcons podcast here with Ben Lindsay of Pro Football Focus. But before we get there, guys, I want to let you know about the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action by heading over to betonline.ag. NFL football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. We have FCS college football back in full swing as well. And Bet Online not only just covers sports, they cover awards, TV shows, reality TV. You can get real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can possibly imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and use the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget that promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts so before we continue the conversation today with Ben Lindsay of PFF on Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith in 2021 I want to let you guys know that February is Black History Month and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports in a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. The most recent episode features Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast and Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels discussing the duality around covering blackness in sports media space and make sure you check out the next episode where you might be hearing your truly discuss the history of black athletes so subscribe to the locked on presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts so ben we're talking a little bit about matt ryan and what he's bringing to the table and what maybe arthur smith can do and provide for him in the sense of uh his scheme are are there sort of things that you have noticed with tracking arthur smith's offense these past two years with Ryan Tannehill that his scheme does a better job of than necessarily what Matt Ryan does. Are, are there, is there room for improvement with Matt Ryan's game or with the Falcons offense now that Arthur Smith is taking over play calling? I think there is. Um, if you look at sort of what Arthur Smith's scheme is built around, it's built off that outside zone game uh, and then the play action off of that similar to, where we've seen Ryan have success in the past, obviously with Shanahan uh, and even Sarkeesian, uh, they ran a similar outside zone, heavy play action offense. And I think that's going to do a couple of things. It's going to give Ryan some easier throws over the middle of the field. Um, You look at last year, the Falcons were, and Matt Ryan specifically bottom 10 in the NFL in percentage of throws between the numbers. Um, I think that's going to improve under Smith. And the other thing that, happens when you run that is it slows down pass rushes and pressure has really been an area uh, where Matt Ryan has sort of taken a step back these past two years not only his play under pressure uh, but he's been under pressure more uh, in 2019 and 2020 Uh, so I think Arthur Smith's offense it will sort of help take away some of that pressure rather than the straight dropbacks we've seen uh, the past couple years. Yeah, that was going to be my next question about Matt Ryan's ability to play under pressure. Watching the film these last two years, I feel like one of the big discussions is whether or not Matt Ryan is potentially on the decline given his advanced age and, and where you're not necessarily that he's significantly 
on the decline at this current time. But when you sort of project out where he could be two, three or more years from now, and, and that sort of affects the Falcons decision-making on whether or not they want to pursue a quarterback this year to sort of, you know, mitigate that issue. I, I'm curious, could you maybe elaborate a little bit more on sort of Matt Ryan's struggles a, a little bit against pressure? Yeah, I think it's something you see with a lot of quarterbacks um, as they start to age. It's, is more it takes more effort uh, to deal with pressure is you lose a little bit of mobility um and we've seen guys have success uh later in their careers in in more stable environments philip rivers this past year in indianapolis tom brady obviously um i don't think it's that ryan can't deal with pressure it's just when you're under pressure as frequently as he has been these last couple years it starts to speed you up a little bit um and that's really what the Falcons will be looking to to improve on uh, this year with Arthur Smith. Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked a little bit about some of the areas where Matt Ryan may not necessarily be great in, but let's talk a little bit about some of the areas that, you know, the, the quarterback annual is saying that he's suggesting, and it goes back to one of the points you're making. Like, it it seems that the, the numbers, the data seems to say that he's he's excellent when he's kept clean in the pocket, right? His accuracy isn't necessarily elite by, from what I understand from your charting, but it's still definitely good, well above average in that arena. He doesn't make the negative plays, the the turnover-worthy type of plays. He's very efficient on third downs. He outperforms what the league average is in terms of scramble drill plays, which I imagine is off-structure plays, which you wouldn't necessarily assume with Matt Ryan. Um, And is, is there anything else that I'm missing from the list that we could sit here and say that Matt Ryan is doing at a much higher level than the average NFL quarterback is? All those areas you mentioned um, definitely fit. It, for us, he was a sixth-graded quarterback from a clean pocket last year, uh, which is bordering on elite still. Uh, so he can definitely still get the job done in the right environment. The, the one I would add on is he was really good in the intermediate range, 10 to 19 yards downfield. Uh, he was one of our highest-graded quarterbacks. And those are the throws you typically think of as – as NFL throws um, and he's still one of the best in the league uh, in that range, obviously having receivers like Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones who can separate uh, help. um, But, but I still think that's an area you can point to as a strength. Now, Ben, um, looking over the quarterback annual, and this is not necessarily related to Matt Ryan, but I just thought it was interesting looking at all this data that you guys have when it comes to quarterback. And the one thing that stood out to me, Roughly two-thirds of throws you guys charted as first-read throws. So I wonder when you're hearing criticisms of, say, like college prospects, and they're saying, oh, he's a first-read quarterback, he's a one-read quarterback, do you feel like that's as big a knock on that quarterback prospect as people tend to make it out to be just because such a large percentage of NFL throws are first-read throws? Or do you feel like there's some sort of subtle difference uh, in how you assess that with college players versus pro players? I think it tends to get overblown um, in general because ideally you are going to your first guy. You still have to be able to make progressions. But the one thing when you're looking at college prospects, and this has come up a lot with Justin Fields, obviously, it's tough to uh, just sort of for the average fan to look and identify what the reads are. Even if you have some expertise, uh, it's it's hard to really know what the progression is. Um, without having those uh, sort of that inside information. Um, You obviously want to see a guy be able to go through his progressions, 
Um, but in general, I do think it tends to get overblown because so many times you are going to your first read. And then if you're not, uh, there's the possibility to get outside the pocket, uh, scramble adjustments, things like that. I think we're seeing it's becoming, I don't want to say less important uh, to sit in the pocket and make those progressions, but um, being able to improvise is just as important. Now, a bit, I'm going to put you on the spot here for my, my last question. Um, you know, if you could sit here and, and looking at the data that you guys have uh, collected over the years, you know, what would be your recommendation, at least for the Falcons, in terms of their quarterback conversation? Is this a situation where they can comfortably um, commit to Matt Ryan for an extended period of time, whether that be, you know, two, three, four, five years? Or do they do need to indeed evaluate some of these quarterbacks and, and think that they could potentially get an upgrade down the road with, with one of these quarterbacks at the top of this year's draft? My personal opinion is um, if I was the Falcons, I I wouldn't necessarily target a quarterback at four overall. I know a lot of people are saying they should. Um, the thing with Matt Ryan, when you look at his contract, is it's going to be difficult um, to trade him without a lot of dead money. You can say post-June 1st, uh, but that's not – the team trading for Matt Ryan isn't going to want to trade for him that late in the process, I, I don't think. Um, so – when you're looking at their situation, I do think the roster still has talent. I think they can win with Matt Ryan. I know it was a rough year this past year, but I think with the new coaching, you can hope guys take step forward. You roll with Matt Ryan these next couple of years, and then you address the quarterback situation down the line. I just think that's, that's sort of a better option um, than taking a quarterback early and having him either sit uh, or trying a way to offload Matt Ryan where you still have uh, dead cap. Okay. All right. I have no follow-ups. I, well, no, I, I guess I have one follow-up in. Um, so we, we talked a little bit about Matt Ryan, you know, being so effective when he's kept clean. Does that point the Falcons potentially in the direction of, of taking an offensive lineman like Penny Sewell, who will help further the, those aims? I think Sewell is a guy, if they do stay put at four and they're not going quarterback, uh, I think Sewell makes some sense uh, at that spot. My first choice, if I was the Falcons, would be to trade down. Of course, you'd need someone who's interested in trading up uh, to do that. But with guys like Fields and Lance up there, I think there are teams that will be willing to potentially move up. And if you can move down, I don't think it's a massive drop to some of the other tackle um, talent in this class, guys like Slater, Darisol, even. Um, Sewell is, is the guy who is the top tackle prospect. But I think the Falcons can still get quality offensive linemen later on in the first round. They can still add receiving talent later on, even though they have guys there uh, who are elite. Uh, adding more elite options in the passing game is never a bad thing. So I think I would trade back. But if staying put at four, so will make some sense. Okay. Well, Ben, I appreciate you for sharing your insights here on Locked on Falcons today. Let the people know uh, where they can get further insights from you, uh, whether that be on Twitter or Pro Football Focus, what other sort of content that Pro Football Focus is unveiling uh, in the coming days and weeks throughout this offseason, and anything else you want to plug. Uh, over at PFF.com, we're in full offseason mode, free agency, uh, a lot of free agency draft content. Uh, for me personally, PFF underscore Lindsay uh, is w my Twitter account uh, where I'll put out some of the stuff that I do. Um, that's about it. Okay. Ben, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining me. 
And uh, look forward, you know, it's going to be an interesting offseason, not only from the Falcons' perspective, but league-wide, particularly when it comes to this quarterback conversation, as we alluded to earlier on the episode. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights, and and maybe we'll get you on uh, later in the offseason once we start to see what these teams actually do. And, uh, you know, maybe you can provide some insight on those moves. Anytime. It's always a good time talking talking some offseason. All right, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Now, we're not done with today's Locked On Falcons podcast, and I'll continue the conversation talking about what the Falcons could or should potentially do in investing in their offensive line to keep Matt Ryan as clean as possible in the near and far future. But before we get there, I know last week I told you guys that I had some routine maintenance done on my car recently, and I was looking at the prices for the brake parts and taillights that I got replaced and it only confirmed something that I already knew that I should have gone to rockauto.com. They had everything I was looking for and much, much more. And I could have gotten them in a few easy clicks delivered directly to my door for substantially lower prices because the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. So don't make my mistake. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car truck and write locked on in the, how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Before we continue to talk about the Falcons offensive line concerns, I want to plug the Peacock and Williamson podcast with NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson, giving you that national perspective from all around the NFL covering breaking news, insight into every game, team, and roster move with picks and previews every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe to Peacock and Williamson podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So the thing about this offseason when it comes to the discussion, you know, I know a lot of people will listen to the episode and hear contrasting perspectives from me because they're upset. Like they want me to choose a side and I just don't feel like choosing a side makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm more about discussing the pros and cons of multiple approaches. I tend to think there is a limited and basic outlook from a lot of folks when it comes to football, because they can only see one or two approaches and they think one is clearly the correct approach and the other one is clearly the wrong approach. And I typically look at it like there's four or five paths ahead of them and there are pros and cons to each one and sort of, you know, dying on one hill and saying this is the correct path and all the other paths are the terrible paths or is just, a, a, again, a limited and, and very basic way of looking at things. And you, you use an example, like yesterday's episode, I talked about the Falcons drafting Florida tight end Kyle Pitts. And, and if your takeaway to listening to that episode was, oh, we should draft Kyle Pitts or Aaron thinks we should draft Kyle Pitts, that to me is the wrong takeaway. My goal is never to say this is what the Falcons should do. My goal is to explain that in the event that the Falcons do take Kyle Pitts, here's why they did so here are the pros and cons of that decision because like for me it's like when we look at these things it's like let you know we don't we're not going to know whether or not the falcons made the right pick until like three to five years anyway so it's just like we're just going to go back and forth and be like i don't know we'll we'll see you know too often we think of these decisions you know it's sort of okay, we're going to draft this player, we're going to sign this player, we're going to make this one move, and all the pieces are going to fall into place, and it's just easy sailing cruise control from that point on. And it's really like, you know, that move is really the first of 15 successful steps that the Falcons or any team is going to need to take thereafter before it all comes in and, and works and whatnot. And, you know, getting back to the point at hand, you know, the draft isn't even the first step. In, in that process, it's like the fifth step in that process. And the really free agency is the first step in that process. And, you know, when we talk about, 
the Falcons commitment to build around Matt Ryan for three or more years and trying to add playmakers as well as trying to beef up the offensive line that can keep him clean so that he can continue to execute and excel at a high level in those clean pockets that the PFF QB annual says that he, he does, you know, I don't know if that means that the Falcons should then draft Penny Sewell with their first round pick. You know, I think, they could best serve that goal of signing Joe Tooney in free agency. Because the concern I have, and and partially why I'm not as keen on drafting Penny Sewell as I once was, is because I'm not as convinced that he could make that smooth transition to left guard like I did before, like guys like Laramie Tunsil and Andrew Whitworth did at the start of their careers before long, successful careers at left tackles. And technically, Tunsil at least did not make a smooth transition to left guard. He struggled his rookie year as a left guard. But... You know, I think the problem is that if you draft Sewell and you and you plug him in immediately at left guard, or you draft him and plug him in at left tackle and move Jake Matthews to left guard, or you plug Sewell at right tackle and move Caleb McGarry to left guard, you're going to have some brand new, unproven option at left guard playing beside a first-year starter in center Matt Hennessy. And, you know, for a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who isn't particularly mobile, and, you know, his style of play makes you think that having that sort of clean pocket to be able to step up into is arguably going to be a lot more valuable to him as he gets older. You know, do you really want to have two question marks potentially on the interior of your offensive line in, in that center and left guard position? So why not go out there and get a proven option in March by going out there and signing New England Patriots free agent left guard Joe Tooney? And I know everybody says, you know, what with what money can the Falcons sign Joe Tooney? And he's going to be one of the highest paid uh, free agents and guards in the league this offseason. And you're right. But it goes back to what I've talked about with the salary cap. Go back and listen to last week's episode where I did a salary cap 101 episode. The Falcons can't afford to pay Tooney. You know, they're going to have to be a little bit more creative with how they structure that contract. You know, maybe backload the deal a little bit more, maybe increase some of the guarantees into year three or year four, you know, maybe split bonus payments across multiple years, whatever the case may be. But the salary cap isn't going to stop them from being able to pay him. It may be a situation where you might have a contract where it's structured where Tooney's first year cap hit is going to be like $3 million. His second year contract cap hit is going to spike to like $12 million. And third year is going to be $15, $16 million. Fourth and fifth year, you're going to have numbers approaching, you know, 18, 20 or or more million dollars in terms of his cap hit. And that may be the way that the Falcons have to sort of structure some of these bigger contracts that they're going to give out. But it's not going to be because the Falcons can't sign guys. The cap is going to be an obstacle, but not so much to where it prevents them from being able to acquire players like Tooney, you know, Essentially, they're not going to be able to get into a bidding war for a guy like Tooney, but they can certainly make a competitive offer, in my opinion. The salary cap's not stopping them from doing that. But I think this is why free agency is such an important factor. Because in a scenario where the Falcons are successfully able to solve their left guard problem in March, it almost certainly takes offensive line off the table in round one. And instead, the Falcons can focus on drafting you know, developmental depth along the offensive line later in the draft. And maybe that could allow them to take a playmaker like a Kyle Pitts, like a Jamar Chase, or trade back and feel comfortable trading back and picking up a defensive player later in the draft or um, whatever the case may be. So it it potentially opens up some avenues where the Falcons don't feel pressured to take a certain player at a certain position early in the draft if they can sort of, you know, take some of those needs, fill some of those needs in March in free agency, and we're using left guard as one example, you know. But there's no guarantee that the Falcons will be able to even get Joe Tooney in March. 
You know, what if Joe Tooney goes out there and, and gets recruited by the Jets or whatever the case may be? They have $68 million in salary cap space, according to OverTheCap.com. So certainly they could outbid the Falcons. They have a pretty big issue at left guard. And, you know, if he were to sign with the Jets, he would have the opportunity to, to you know, be an FU to his former team in, in the Patriots by playing them twice a year. Or maybe he decides to go to the Cincinnati Bengals. They have a massive hole at left guard. They're a team that most experts think are going to try to massively revamp their offensive line this offseason, which may include paying a guy like Tooney, may include drafting a guy like Penny Sewell with their first round pick. But Joe Tooney's from the Dayton area, uh, Dayton, Ohio area. So the Bengals are technically his hometown team. And they have $38 million in, in salary cap space. And so they could outbid the Falcons and he might want to go home and play for his home dumb team. So who knows at this point in time, again, it's all speculation at this point, but if you're asking me if the goal is to keep Matt Ryan upright as much as possible and, you know, give me an offensive lineman that can only not only impact today as well as tomorrow and join Jake Matthews in potentially solidifying that left side of the offensive line, at least for the next three years, as those guys, you know, creep towards the end of their career, you know, I think Joe Tooney is, is probably the best option for the Falcons to add this offseason. It's not the only option, but it's probably the most, the safest, most proven option. And any other option that they choose in that regard would probably have a little bit more inherent risk to it. And so I'll just end by saying, like, if the plan is to commit to Matt Ryan and punt the Falcons decision to take a quarterback, you know, down the road a few years, you know, I would feel much, much better about that decision if the Falcons were to land a player like Joe Tooney in free agency three weeks from now. So, you know, while I understand why people are are so invested in what the Falcons do with their first round pick, because it's certainly a very compelling conversation. It's a compelling question on what the Falcons are going to do with that pick. I personally am just equally invested in what the Falcons do and who they side in free agency and who they pursue in free agency, because I think we're going to get a lot of answers to what their plan is in round one, or at least some answers and what their plan could be in round one um, by what they do in March. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I want to thank uh, Ben Lindsay for joining me on today's episode. Tomorrow's episode will feature a returning guest in Charles McDonald, uh, currently with uh, For the Win at USA Today, formerly uh, a Jets beat writer. And, you know, I'm going to ask Charles what his thoughts on what the Falcons should do this offseason, as well as potentially pick his brain on some impending Jets free agents and what they could potentially do in Atlanta and whether or not those guys are good values or worth, you know, the Falcons potentially splurging on in free agency as we keep this excellent offseason content going uh, here on the Lockdown Falcons podcast, if I can say so myself. Uh, but I appreciate many of the folks that have told me uh, and given me that feedback on, you know, their enjoyment of some of the episodes. And, you know, I welcome all that feedback because, you know, whether you think I can do things better or whether you think I'm doing things excellently, you know, any and all feedback to improve this episode or this show, I'm sorry, uh, is greatly appreciated. And of course you can provide that feedback via Twitter to lockdown Falcons via Facebook to lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to lockdown Falcons at mail.com. Appreciate it guys until then.